Who is Jesus? That is my subject and my topic and my thesis today. Who is Jesus? And this is the heart of the gospel today. I want you to turn with me, first letter, to the Corinthians chapter 15. We will begin to talk about a subject that is, I believe, the most important subject in our faith, in our Christian faith. That is the subject of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? My thesis is the gospel is Jesus. I declare unto you the gospel which I preach. The word gospel will always go together with the word preach. Without preaching, the gospel is stagnant, meaning it cannot go beyond the pages. I declare unto you the gospel which I preach to you, which you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preach unto you unless you have believed in vain. Whew. A lot of things are here. Let me refer you to this first diagram. First of all, the gospel transmission, the only method that the gospel can be transmitted is through preaching. That's the only way. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. That is why we gather together so that you can hear the gospel preached. Have I been preaching the gospel? That's my subject today. Have I been preaching the gospel? Because when the gospel is preached, the power that is in the gospel will change you. Have you been changed? If you have not been changed, then the gospel has not been preached. Now, what is the change? I will go into detail and tell you what is the change that the gospel can cause in a person's life. But if you have not been changed, then the gospel has not been preached. If the gospel has been preached, has it been received? If it's not been preached, then people will go to hell. The gospel needs to be preached. If the gospel is not preached, then people will go to hell. This is the final place of destitution. If the gospel is preached on the right-hand side, then has it been received? You can hear the gospel preached, but you can reject the preaching of the gospel. The four areas where the seeds are planted, only one out of the four receive the seed and then the plant grow. The other three did not reject. If you have received, did you keep the gospel? Not simply listening, hearing, are oh, not good. If it is not kept, same thing still happen. If the gospel that you have received and you did not keep it, you end up in the same place. If it is kept, then here's what happens. To him that is able to keep you from falling, we are all falling. And if you keep the gospel that is preached to you, then he will keep you from falling, wherewith the apostle Paul says you will stand instead of falling. And when you stand, 
then what you need, you preach the gospel. Stand and deliver. The need for doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine means teaching. If you don't go to school, you are considered unschooled. That is a nice term to say for people who are ignorant. School is necessary. If you don't go to school and don't have an education, then you are unschooled, you are ignorant. If you are a Christian, or you declare yourself to be a Christian, and you don't have the doctrine, then you are ignorant. Christianity is about Jesus. Christianity is not a lifestyle. Christianity is not about doing what's right and abstaining from what's wrong. If this is the first time you hear that, I'm sorry. I have not been preaching the gospel. Christianity is not a lifestyle. It's not doing these sets of things and stay away from these sets of things. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not about doing good and go to heaven. That's not Christianity. Christianity is actually the reverse. Christianity is about waiting for Christ to come, not going to heaven. The scripture, you see how ignorant we are in the scripture because of our religious tradition. We want to be just like any other religions out there. You say, do good and go to heaven. Christianity is not about doing good and go to heaven. Christianity is about knowing the doctrine of Jesus Christ and waiting for him to come back. All of the parables you hear and the stories you hear is that the servants do what? Do the service of the master and wait for the master to return. Christianity is about a person. Christianity is about Jesus Christ. Christianity is about knowing who Jesus is, understanding what he has done for you, for me. Christianity is about trusting, and that word means having faith in what he has done for you and promised for you. Christianity is about obeying him, fulfilling the commitment to the kingdom of God, not inventing things you do because it looks like a good thing to do. Christianity is about waiting for him to come back. Your responsibility is to learn this doctrine. Because if you are learning the wrong thing, you'll end up in the wrong place. You got to learn the right thing. So many people think you can just stay at home and because the Bible is available to you, that you can get the truth from the Bible. You cannot get the truth from reading the Bible. The Bible is not Christianity. The Bible is about Christianity. Christianity is Christ. Christianity has always been life. We do need to know the words, but Christianity is about life. Learning Jesus, not about who he is, you can do that by reading the Bible, what he has done. But knowing his ways, knowing his wills, knowing and learning what he did to imitate him. You said, well, I can do that by reading the Bible. No, you can't. You cannot do that by reading the Bible because he is not revealed through the Bible. If he is revealed through the Bible, we don't need preachers. All I need to do is to get this in as many hands as possible. Not to lessen the importance of having the Bible, 
Here's what he said. No man knows who the Son is but the Father. And who the Father is but the Son. And he whom the Son will reveal to him. The fundamental fact about knowing Jesus is revelation. Is revelatory knowledge. The only way for you to know Jesus is that God himself revealed Jesus to you. The only way to get to the Father is that God the Son reveals the Father to you. If I were to take all of you on a field trip, I put you on, on a bus, we go together down the street here, Piedmont. There's a particular church I want to take you to. You go in there, there's worship, there's communion, there's preaching. The preacher will tell you, make sure you do what the Bible tells you to do. Make sure you live a godly life. Make sure you abstain from wickedness and evil. You give your money. You greet each other. They are very friendly. They say hello. They take down your name. They call you. They reach out to you. Even more so than this church. Well, we don't do much here. We should do more. And then we come back here and I tell you, you know the church that we just went to? If I can call that a church, that is Jehovah Witness. If I didn't tell you that, you wouldn't know and you wouldn't care. There's no gospel preached there. What is the essence of the gospel? Why is it that you are here and not there? Is it just because the name? Then what are you believing? What is the gospel? Let me tell you what the gospel is. The gospel is about God, the second person in the Trinity, the one who is always there, one who has the same essence as God the Father. Did you know that God the Father cannot exist without God the Son? You cannot be a father without having a son. I'm not a grandfather if I don't have a son and a grandson. So God the Father cannot exist without God the Son. And God the Son cannot exist without God the Father. So the essential doctrine of Christianity is that God the Son, the second person in the Trinity, became flesh, incarnate, becoming flesh and dwelt with us. That is the doctrine of Christianity. If you don't receive that, if the church does not transmit that as part of the gospel, then what you are worshiping, who you are worshiping, is not Christ. Before he was Jesus Christ, he was the second person in the Trinity. He was God himself, the same essence. The word here is usia. We are sons and daughters of God because God has chosen to adopt us. We don't have the same essence as God. But God the Son has the same essence of the Father. And therefore, he can tell us about the Father, and the Father can give the Son to us because God cannot come close to a sinful creature such as us. And all prayers cannot reach God because he is holy and we are not. There has to be this connection between the divine and the creature. So therefore, Jesus has to incarnate, put on flesh, and become man. And now we can see him. We can touch him if, if he's alive here today. And people have touched him. 
We can communicate with him. He can communicate with us. And if we speak Aramaic, we can understand him. Through this God-man, Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with the Father. That's essentially is the gospel. And if that is not it, then you can go down the street here at Piedmont and go to the Jehovah Witness. And it doesn't make any difference to your faith. We're all going to end up in, in Gehenna. But if the gospel is about Jesus Christ being God incarnate into man, then our gospel is one that is apostolically approved. Jesus is talking about his divine nature when he referred to himself as son and God as father. He's not talking as Jesus and God. He's talking about my father and son. He's talking about this divine essence that he has that none of us share. We don't share in God's essence. We are his creation and adopted in his family. And by relationship with Jesus Christ, he says, you are righteous. Do you believe that? One day, all of us are going to take a field trip, and there's, it's the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom from the time of John the Baptist to now, the kingdom of God suffer violence. And the violent take it by force. There's an angel standing there at the gate with a flaming sword, taking vengeance on those who don't believe. We're all standing here, and we're looking at the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing preventing us from walking into the kingdom of God. All those who think that you are righteous, go ahead and go for the gate. Anybody here wants to go for the gate? Go ahead and run for the gate. Anyone? Do you feel the righteousness that's burning inside of you? Do you sense the grace of God that's in you? Do you have this feeling that, you know what, I'm going to go walk to the gate and the angel has to get me in because I'm righteous, I'm holy. Anybody going to take up on that offer? This is the great illustration of what faith is. You don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. On the contrary, I feel pretty bad. I don't measure up. But this is what faith is. I believe that Christ has said that I am righteous, and what he said, I believe in what he said. I believe that when I get to that gate, the imputation of God's righteousness through Christ will allow the angel to let me pass. That's faith. How do you get there? How do you have that faith? How do you know you have that faith? That's what I want to talk about with you today. The second person, the word became flesh, and the reason why he became flesh is to give you this very assurance. The assurance is the hope. It is not a feeling. He said that you are righteous because he said it, you believe it, it is real, it doesn't mean that you feel it. With me so far? This is some heavy stuff, but if you get it, you understand what the gospel is about. The reason why Jesus became flesh was because he wanted to have people around him. I'll tell you a very important story. I say, hey, Debbie, this is what I've heard what happened. No. She turned around and she told Akish. And Akish said, no. Where'd you hear that from? Oh, Pastor Paul, my uncle. And where'd he hear that from? I don't know. Did he make it up? I don't know. Uh, so why should I believe you? I don't know. 
I believe him. Where did he get it from? I don't know. This is the problem with stories. This is the problem with tradition. Where'd you hear that from? My mom. Where'd she hear that from? We get that. I don't know. Where is the authentic source that you hear it from? This is why doctrine of the gospel is important. There is a source. If you ask me where I get my doctrine from, I can tell you. You trace it all the way back to the 15th century, all the way back to the 3rd century, all the way back to the 1st century, all the way back to the Lord Jesus Christ became flesh. There is a source. But how do you know that source is true? And that is why we are sitting here today. The transmission of the gospel is not just about going out there and get people saved. That's actually not it. It is what's going on here. So therefore, you say you can stay at home and get the salvation message. You're wrong. The body of Jesus Christ is the only place where salvation of the message of the gospel is transmitted. And the Apostle Paul says here, Moreover, brothers, I'm speaking to those who are in Christ. I declare unto you, this is how the gospel is preached. Evangelism out there with unbelievers is something else altogether different. But this, what we're doing here, is how the gospel is transmitted. The first step, you are doing great. Secondly, he became flesh to do this. Imagine God in his all glory comes to you and said, hey, come follow me. You go, whoa. But he took on the form of a man, someone that you can identify. And actually the scripture says he doesn't have a very comely form, meaning it is not beautiful to look upon. And he came and he said, Andrew, come follow me. And then Andrew told Peter, and he went to James and John and said, hey, come follow me. And he went and told Philip and Bartholomew. And he went and told James the Greater. And remember James the Less and Thomas and Philip and all of these men. He said, hey, Matthew, yeah, Levi and all these guys. Hey, come follow me. Why? Why does he need to do that? Because the gospel is centered upon the fact that it needs to have witnesses. Witnesses is important. You know what the term witnesses mean? In Greek, it means martyr. When you are witness for something, you are dead man. You don't witness what you feel and think is right. You witness exactly what you saw and heard. That's what it means to be a witness. So the gospel is the faithful transmission, even if you can't explain it to your children why it is, the gospel is the faithful transmission of what Jesus has done and what he taught. That is the gospel. So he called these 12 apostles and he said, listen, observe, and then go out there and tell people what you have seen and what you have heard. That is a faithful witness. That is what their job, that is what the disciple, he did not tell them, fill in the gap. You read the synoptic gospel, meaning they all corroborate. You see that sometimes it happens like this, and then other gospel happens like that. Why? Because Jesus says, transmit 
exactly as you have seen and as you have heard. So some of them have heard it from this point of view, some of them have seen from that point of view, and therefore they wrote it exactly the same. Now if they fabricated this story, what they're going to do, hey, hey, Matthew, Mark, Luke, let's, let's come together, let's, let's put our stories together and make sure it's all lined up and there are no conflicting evidence here. No, 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 no. They're not supposed to do that. What they're supposed to do is see, observe, listen, hear, and then report, witness what they have seen. That is the gospel, and that's what and how Jesus wants his word to be transmitted. You must have played telephone before. Someone whispers something to the first person, person turn over and say something to the second person, person, and then in the end, it's a whole different story, isn't it? Never is the same. But if the premise is, you say exactly word by word verbatim everything that I have said to the next person by the end of this chain, doesn't matter how long it goes, 2,000 years, wars, peace, famine, all these things that happen, the message remains the same. Faithful witnesses. It is important. That is doctrine. That is the gospel. I speak that which I have seen in my Father. So you see, Jesus did exactly the same thing. He's not here to fabricate some kind of story so that it makes sense to you. He is saying that my father, I saw this is what he did and this is what he said. I'm saying it exactly to you. Don't get it? It's okay. All you need to do is keep that and then transmit it. You will get it. Not now, later. Eventually, you will get it. So. Don't worry about fabricating. Don't worry about filling in the blanks. Don't worry about how it sounds to the person that you're transmitting it. Observation, demonstration, and education. Those are the three steps. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, teaching them to observe, observe, watch all things whatsoever I have commended you. Teaching the doctrine of Jesus Christ. The primary task of the disciples, not to learn morality. What they learned was the gospel. They were witnesses. It's not who they are. It is what Jesus is. Believe me, try so hard to teach you all the things that you should do right. How far have I gotten? The only thing that would change you is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you're changed from the inside, your attitude, your behavior, your moral will change. But I can't teach you morals. It will never change you. On the contrary, the more people tell you to do the right thing, the more you do the wrong thing. So the need, the imperative need for the gospel to be transmitted faithfully is more so important today than ever before. They were chosen as eyewitnesses. They were chosen because today, if you ask me, where did I get my gospel? I will tell you, I got my gospel from Thomas that touched the side of Jesus. I got my gospel from Peter, who was there when Jesus says, come unto me, and then he sank. Those are my sources. Where they got it from? Jesus. Who did he get it from? Well, you know, Jesus was the second person in the Trinity. He was God. He got it from the Father. Okay. That is the source. You can't go anywhere further than God. So my witness is true because I can tell you I trace all the way back from John Calvin 
all the way back to Zwingli, all the way back to Luther, all the way back to Thomas, all the way back to Augustine, all the way back to the Apostle, all the way back to Jesus. I have a source, I have a, a complete source, and they were faithful. Now, if I, for some reason, change the gospel a little bit because I want to appeal to you, then what you got is called it's heresy. It's wrong. I lead you astray, Paul says, who have bewitched you. Be careful. The need for doctrine is imperative. Doctrine is the teaching of Jesus. Correct doctrine is necessary for maturity through the sanctification process. If you don't have the right teaching, doctrine is the teaching of Jesus. It is necessary that you get the right doctrine so that you use it the correct way. Otherwise, what you're going to do is you're going to take the word of God and instead of using it to build up people, you use it to slay people. The earliest account of the church activity began with this. The assembly, after Peter preached a message, he says who Jesus was, what he has done, what you have done to him, and what you should do, repent and be baptized. And then 5,000 people came. There was no morality being taught there. And the first thing after that, when they got together, the 3,000 people who were baptized and saved into the church, you know what the first thing they did? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The first thing they did after they were saved and baptized and got into the church was what? They studied the doctrine. They studied not just any doctrine. They studied the apostles' doctrine. The apostles are those who are first-hand witnesses to Christ. The apostle doctrine are those who actually walked with Jesus, were there with Jesus. That is the apostles doctrine. And why do they have to do it? Because the apostles will get killed. They will get murdered. They won't be around anymore. So the transmission of the apostles doctrine have to be faithfully transmitted to the next generation. And they take that doctrine faithfully transmitted to the next group. How do you ensure that the doctrine is faithfully transmitted? You get that doctrine to as many churches as possible. They all learn it. And so when one church go, hey, Jesus wasn't divine. The rest of the churches say, say what? That's not the correct doctrine. We have been taught that Jesus was the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity. So they established this thing called ecumenical council, which means worldwide council of bishops that come together and says, this is the correct doctrine. Jesus is the second person in the Trinity. He became flesh. He lived. He died. Three days, he was resurrected. For I delivered unto you. Now, this is the gospel. If ever I ask you what is the gospel, this is your response. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which also I received. How did the apostle got this doctrine? It was preached to him. Who was it that preached to him? Ananias. The doctrine of the gospel has been transmitted through the preaching. And this is what he says. That Jesus died for our sins. 
This is the first important message of the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. And then secondly, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Always the scripture backs up. But the apostles' teaching was first-hand account of what happened. The Bible is a record of what those things had happened. The reason why this was put into writing, so that people cannot fabricate what happened. But the apostles' teaching came before the biblical writing. They transmit it. They tell each other. Thirdly, and that he was seen. The Apostle Paul went into great length to tell you why this is important. That he was seen of Cephas, which is Peter. Then of the twelve, after that he was seen above five hundred brethren. After that he was seen of James, then all of the apostles. And then lastly, he was seen of me also. The Apostle Paul is talking about this. The transmission of the gospel has to be from eyewitness accounts. And those eyewitness accounts were first called the apostles. They gathered them together. Remember, the Apostle Paul is famous for gathering people and telling them about Jesus Christ. And then those people got it from eyewitnesses. Think about that logically a little bit. The gospel that I received, me personally received, came from a person who had an eyewitness account because the person that they received the gospel from was living and alive. And that person came, heard the gospel from someone else who was living and alive. You can trace all the way back through 2,000 years, all the way back to the apostles. So the necessity of the gospel needs to be transmitted through a person, eyewitness account. I can say that I am an eyewitness account because I was there talking alive with the person who gave me the gospel. The gospel cannot be transmitted without a live person. The gospel must be transmitted by a live person. If not, then Peter didn't have to get down from the roof. He can just say, hey, go tell uh, Cornelius. Go tell him to read the scripture and get saved. No, he got to get down from the roof and he got to follow them and then he got to preach the gospel to Cornelius. The path to the gospel the gospel is the teaching about who Jesus is and what he has done. Jesus became flesh. First of all, he was God. He became flesh. He for sins, he died, crucified on the cross. He was buried, not one, not two, but three days he rose again. Very precise, exact, nothing changed. There's some heresy that says Jesus never died. And the council of Nicaea said that is wrong. That's heresy. That's why we need an ecumenical council of churches to say, this is the correct teaching and this is the wrong teaching. He was buried. He was resurrected on the third day, sitting at the right hand of God. And for all those who believe in him, they have eternal life. That is the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus Christ, his journey, his witness, his testimony, that is the gospel. The original witnesses were the apostles, the 12 apostles, and then lastly, the apostle Paul. Your faith today goes all the way back to the apostle Paul because he was the apostle to the Gentile, unless you're Jew. The apostle John says this in 1 John chapter 4. He says, and we have seen and do testify. So 
by. Have you seen? How do you see? The revelation of the gospel of God has to be seen by revelation. I cannot tell you here by things that I've learned cognitively. It has to be from revelation, the revealed word of God in my heart that revealed to you revelation of God. So it is important that we preserve the authenticity of the gospel. It has to be transmitted faithfully, and therefore you need to learn this. You need to learn the doctrine, and you need to learn it well. You need to learn it in very detail, so that when you say you are faithful witnesses to God and not fabricator of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So learning the word of God is very important to be faithful to the doctrine of Jesus Christ because 2,000 years later, because of the work and the faithfulness of all the people who went before us, we now receive the gospel, the doctrine of the gospel, faithfully as it was transmitted from the first century. That is incredible. The only religion, the only group of people who have faithfully transmitted the original teaching of the person who taught it is Christianity. This is the only religion today. It went from 12 people, lost one, 11 people, to what? Today, the account is 2.3 billion, 32% of the world's population professed to know this man. Because it was transmitted so faithfully, we are now saved through this gospel. Christ's doctrine must be transmitted faithfully. We are not at liberty to change it. You cannot say, you know what, the Bible doesn't say that here, but you know, I, let me fill in the blank for you. Here are some of the things that is in the Bible. It's not linear. It's okay. It's transmitted as such. The Apostle John even says, he said, if you add or remove anything from this book, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Be careful, very careful. The gospel is not to play with. The gospel is not to be plagiarized. The gospel is to be witnessed faithfully, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, the apostle Peter says. You cannot sit at home and read the Bible and say, you know what, I think this is what it means. That doesn't work with God. God sets up the apostle for this very reason. There is the teaching, and that teaching goes throughout the millennium to us. We cannot change it. Cannot just sit at home, you know what, I'll figure it out. I can read the Bible and figure it out for myself. That's dangerous. Nothing in the Bible that has not been read, studied, scrutinized before by faithful men of God. Read what they have to say. Make sure what you say corroborate with what they have said. We need to have other churches that when you say something wrong, they say, this stuff has been debated, discussed. For hundreds of years. There's nothing new here. You didn't come up with that. Understand that we are not at liberty to interpret this any way we want. We have to be faithful witnesses. you got to study the doctrine and you got to learn the doctrine. And it has to be transmitted. 300 years after the gospel has been circulated in, within the first century when Paul wrote the letters, there are other letters that circulated amongst the churches. And then they had to call a worldwide council of bishops and said, wait a minute, people. There are correct teachings and there are incorrect teachings. And the correct teaching is that Jesus Christ is God. That he incarnate in flesh 
and that he is of the same essence of the Father. And this other teaching that Jesus Christ is not God is heresy. The bishop, the worldwide bishop, get together at Nicaea and says, this is correct teaching, and this is not correct teaching. We need to have a strong foundation of the doctrine of God, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, transmitted faithfully. Lastly, how do you receive the gospel? Not everyone who hears will receive the gospel. The four different places that the seed fell, only one of the four places, when they receive the seed, it brings forth life. So when you hear the gospel today, some of you might not receive it. I don't have the power to change you. I might be able to keep you for a long time, but I don't have the power to change what's inside of you. The gospel, if it has any power inside of you at all, it will change you. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Now, I'm going to end with this. I'm going to leave you hanging with this. The only way for you, for the gospel to work in you, the only way for you to receive the gospel, the only way for the gospel to transform you powerfully is the grace of God. I did not go looking for God. I didn't even know, I didn't even care about God. Some reason that unbeknownst to me, and I don't know up to now, why at that particular camp that God decided to reveal himself to me. I don't know. I can't tell you that I went looking for, I didn't go looking for God. I can't tell you what happened to me. I can only say this. The grace of God had led me to where I did not want to go. And the gospel of Jesus Christ has transformed me. And I can't tell you how that happened. Only God can do that. Like the Apostle Peter says, only the grace of God can give you that initial grace to believe in Jesus Christ. Father, we are called upon to be witnesses for the things that we have seen and the things that we have heard. Lord, only you, only by the power of your hand and by the grace that's been given to us that we are able to see your Son, Jesus Christ, the revelation of this glory in our being. Father, I pray for each one who are standing in this room today that your grace would find us, that there is a place where we are able to come to you. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is revealed to us in such a way that we are able to grasp the beauty, the power, and the everlasting life that emanate and grow and transcends from you to us. We thank you, Lord, for your gospel. We thank you for all of the faithful witnesses who have gone before us. And I do pray that each one of us here who have received the gospel, that we would be counted among those who have been faithful to transmit the gospel as it was received by us and kept in the forefront of our memory. 
that we will not depart from its message and from its power and from its responsibility. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.